right. So uh, we're in the middle of a little sermon series. This is the last one. This is a long one. Seven for those counting. I know that you're like seven. I'm kidding. You, it's been, I've been fired. You know. You know. <laughs> We've been talking about the parallels between Jesus and Moses. That there's these clear ways in which especially the gospel of Matthew is trying to frame Jesus as Moses 2.0. Matthew's talking to a predominantly Jewish audience. They're skeptical of Jesus. They don't know that he's the Messiah. They're unsure. They're testing the waters. So Matthew is highlighting pieces of Jesus' life to say, but look, like it's, it's Moses, but more. It's the Messiah, right? Seeing these parallels is beneficial, I think, for us because human beings are storytelling people. This is how we communicate who we are what our core values are, what our identity is, where we're headed, what the good life looks like, what faith looks like. We do it in stories, right? And the Bible gives us these amazing stories of the life of Moses and the life of Jesus. And when we see the parallels, at some point my hope is that we might be able to connect our story, Collister's story, to the story of God, to the story of Moses, right? That we can frame it so we can understand our identity, and what we're supposed to be about, and where we're going. So, um, look, the Collister's in, in the middle of a transition, right? We're going to be going through a big transition. And so I thought, hmm, what better way to think about the transition we're going through than to think about Moses' death and the transition to Joshua? I'm not Moses. I, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to stand here and be like, you know, <laughs> I'm, we'll go out to Quinn's Pond and I'll see if I can part. I'm not, it's not happening, right? I, I'm, all I'm suggesting is that just like Israel had a leader they trusted, had someone had brought them part of the way, Moses didn't take them into the promised land and they had to pass it off. And Joshua steps up. And we're going to look at Jesus, the very last chapter of Matthew. The very last thing Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew before he turns it over to the disciples, to the early church, because that's quite a transition also. And I'm certainly not Jesus. But there, we're going through a transition, and, we're, and, and the buck will be passed. How do we do this well? What does this look like? How does our story connect with these stories we've been looking at over the last seven weeks? Okay. So here are these words from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. So this is literally like right after Moses dies. This is the first thing. Oh, the Bible says that. Uh, after Moses, the Lord's servant... <laughs> after Moses, the Lord's servant died, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Nun's son. He had been Moses' helper... My servant Moses is dead. Now get ready to cross over the Jordan with this entire people to the land that I am going to give to the Israelites. I am giving you every place where you set foot exactly as I promised Moses. Your territory will stretch from the desert and the Lebanon as far as the great Euphrates River. I will be with you in the same way I was with Moses. I won't desert you or leave you. Be brave and strong. Because you are the one who will help this people take possession of the land, which I pledged to give their ancestors. 
Be brave and strong as you carefully obey all the instructions that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't deviate even a bit from it, even to the right or the left. Then you will have success wherever you go. Never stop speaking about this instruction scroll. Recite it day and night so you can carefully obey everything written in it. Then you will accomplish your objectives and you will succeed. I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be alarmed or terrified because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, I want, I want to put a pin in that for just a minute. And then I want you to read the last words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has died. This is a resurrection account. This is like the, resurrection, resu the resurrected Jesus appearing to the disciples. So hear this uh, from the book of Matthew chapter 18. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the age. Does that sound familiar? Be brave. Obey. I will be with you. Have courage. Do as the law is instructed. The Lord will be with you. It's like literally the exact same advice in both of the major transitions in Scripture, from Moses to Joshua, from Jesus to the disciples. God is giving the exact same advice, and we should hear it, right? We should hear this as a community in transition. And just for a moment, to like, to like take it in, to think like, God will be with us every step of the way in pain and in joy and in good and in bad and in sickness and in health. God will be with us. We will not be abandoned, right? That's a beautiful thing. Like, it's something to celebrate. I think I have a, a slide that has the parallels on it. If you go one more. Uh, keep going. Let, let me see if I do it. Okay, good. Be strong, be brave, be obedient. God will always be with you. Uh, if we take this seriously, if we take this advice seriously, then it, it's about us looking at the stories of the past, how this shaped Israel, how this shaped the early church, and then how it might shape us today, how our story might connect, right? Um, some of this is passive, though. Like, learn to accept that God will be with you. That's hard to believe sometimes, especially when things are tough, right? Be brave. Be courageous. Don't, be, don't react in fear. Last week I talked about don't let the first arrow, right, cause you to inflict the second arrow. This is part of like being brave and courageous. The first arrows of life you can't avoid. The first arrows of life is like you lose a job or you get sick uh, or your spouse leaves you or... Your pastor selfishly says he's going to leave, right? I mean, that, like the first arrows of life you can't control. But there's the second arrow, which is the self-inflicted arrow, which is the one we can't avoid. It's when I feel now hurt, so I lash out in anger. It's that I'm now scared, so I isolate, right? And I don't connect. The way you respond to first arrows can often cause the second one to hit, right? 
Being brave, being courageous is about learning how to live with the uncertainty of life, the first arrows that come, the inevitable loss that happens, and we do it with a kind of peace, a faith, a sense of love that, that avoids those second arrows. What I want to focus on today, then, is obedience. I don't really like that word that much. I, I, it was used in a way that makes me have negative connotations. I'm sure if you're a female, you may have been raised in a way that this really has negative connotations. <laughs> Amen, brother! Um, so it requires some kind of unpacking, right? Like this, this is clearly like part of the advice given to the Israelites after Moses' death. It's part of the advice given to this episode, like be obedient. So how can we frame this in a way that doesn't make people like me immediately react in some negative way? Because I usually am triggered in a negative way by that, right? I'll try to explain why, and in the process, I'm going to try to explain why I think um, this highlights one of the ways that Collister is very unique and that I pray it never changes. Like, what, what are, what's one of the fundamental features that makes this place so great? I think it's, it's about the way we think about obedience. Okay, so I'm going to take a deviation, and we'll come back. So we'll put a pin. So in education uh, at the university, right, so NNU, that's where I work, right, we talk a lot about soft skills and hard skills. So some of you have heard this, maybe you haven't. Hard skills, it's like, I know how to do JavaScript. Do we even do JavaScript anymore? <laughs> yes, okay. So that would be like a hard skill, right? Like you can do it, right? I can change out a, I don't know why a robot is saying this, but <laughs> I can change out a carburetor, right? Like that, that would be like a hard skill that you, you know how to do something. I can fix a leaky, leaky faucet. That's a hard skill. Soft skills are different. Soft skills are dispositions. Soft skills are like, what do we want our students, like internal character traits, like the way in which they're going to approach the world. Soft skills are things like, I'm curious, so I ask questions, and I, I explore, and uh, I recognize I don't have all the answers, right? So curiosity is like a soft skill. It's a disposition we want our students to have, because not everyone's curious, and not everyone's good at asking questions, right? A soft skill might be like open-mindedness. Uh, I don't get tunnel vision, but I solve problems in all kinds of ways. I'm open to critique, right? So think about at your work. There are people that have hard skills, and they're horrible to work with. Like, you're really good at doing X, but I never want to talk to them, right? They've got the hard skills, none of the soft skills. They're not open. They're not humble. They don't have the dispositions. At NNU, we're not just interested in helping someone get a job. We don't just want you to be like a really good surgeon. We want you to have a good bedside manner. We want you to love your patients and care about them and listen to them, right? Soft skills, things that I can't assess very well. It's why I hate assessment as a professor. So it's like, I can, like did, can students accurately tell me what's in Plato's Republic? I can assess that. That's a hard skill. But are they critical thinkers? Do they love learning? Are they compassionate to their other students? Like the stuff I really care about that my students get out of their education, I can't assess it. It's very hard. I can't follow them around. Like loves learning, check. Like I, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a test for that. But those are the most important. The soft skills, that's where it's at. Not the hard skills. It's the dispositions that we care about, that we want to shape. And ultimately... I think that's true of the church, although maybe we don't always do a good job of communicating it, right? 
So when I put this into a context of faith, I think of hard skills like um, you'd make a really great Bible quizzer. Like if someone was like, who was the seventh son of Jacob? You'd know. I don't know, by the way. <laughs> Joseph, I don't know. <laughs> um, right? Hard skills are like, I know the creeds. I can recite them. Hard skills are like, all of you knew when to stand. You memorized the Lord's Prayer. You could say it right away. Some of you don't, so you feel uncomfortable with that. Like, ooh, I don't know what the liturgy of this place is, right? Hard skills are like uh, the specifics. Hard skills like, I know all about baptism. We, we dunk, we don't sprinkle, right? Because that's what's important is like, we got to get that right. Our beliefs have to be in place and our creed has to be in place. And that's what really matters. Can you see how that translates to the kind of the specifics of a hard skill? I know JavaScript. But that's not what's important about the Christian life. When God says be obedient, I think humans just mess up. Humans like fritz out. Obedience must mean to some letter of the law, some specific set of behaviors. Like, I don't violate the Ten Commandments. I don't drink or chew or run with girls that do, right? Like, as long I just got to, I do the right things. It's the hard skills, the specifics. But again, just like the coworker who has lots of hard skills and you, you, they're terrible to work with because they have none of the soft skills, it's the same thing. You can, have, you can be the most Pharisee-like, hard-skilled Christian who knows every creed in the church history and Bible quizzing, and you're a jerk. And you're mean. And you're arrogant. Because I know I've been like that. I've been like that. But I was really good. I'm really good at like, Oh, well, I, the Bible actually says this or that, <laughs> whatever. Right? Like, I'm, like, that's a skill. That's something I can do. And so I used it to make myself feel good, feel powerful, feel Christian, feel holy, right? But that's not obedience. That's not really what God wants, right? God doesn't want me to have the hard skills of being Christian. Obedience is like cultivating the heart of Christ, it's cultivating these, this deep sense of like love and compassion and warmth and openness and, and honesty. It's like the hardest stuff to do. It's way harder to do that than to like memorize the Apostles' Creed or to like go around making sure I know everyone who's violating each of the things that God has told us to do, right? Like that's, that's human nature. That's easy. What's really hard is like, cultivating a community and a space and an atmosphere where I don't really care much if you accept every creedal statement. I simply don't care. It, do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to put Christ's love at work in the world? Are we going to be united by a higher mission, a set of soft skills or dispositions that are going to enable us to love everyone who comes through the door no matter what? That's why, one reason why Collister is special. Because somehow you did it. You did it. Right? Like, I can bring Eric, and some of you can say, I don't think undocumented people should be able to have driver's license. Like, you're sitting there and you're thinking that right now. But here's what's crazy about this place. 
but you trust me enough and you love me enough to say, but you know what, I don't have to agree with that to be united by some higher notion that every human being is a child of God, deserves love, compassion, and support. It's not the specific hard skill stuff that divides. So you tell me, you've all had church experiences. What leads to church division? What leads to over a thousand different Protestant denominations in the United States? It's our inability to see past those differences to get to something like the heart of Jesus. That's what I want to be faithful to. That's what I want you to, that's what obedience looks like. Like laying that other stuff down is so hard, like just letting it go. It doesn't matter. Let our creed be the Sermon on the Mount. That this is the place where the poor are blessed. This is the place where the, the, those who mourn are comforted. This is the place where those things happen. Let that be our creed. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go to the table, right? We're going to go to the table. Speaking of hard skill division... Um, is this actually the body and the blood of God? Is this, does this transform in the prayer into the body? Like some people say yes. And then other people say, I'm not sure that that's true. Uh, maybe it's not actually the body and blood of God. Maybe we're remembering what Christ has done. And this is like a way of honoring God in our baptismal vows. Why would that disagreement cause some division? Why would us disagreeing about that mean we can't go to church together? We can't love the world together, right? But these are the kinds of things that we have historically done, correct? At some point, however you see these elements, I want this to be something about your ongoing commitment. Like when we take the bread, when we drink the juice, if we can call that bread, take the dust wafer and the juice. When you, when that, when you, when you have that, at some point, what you are doing is you're saying yes, you're ongoing, yes to Jesus, yes to him forming and shaping you, yes to your baptism, yes to the vows that says, I want more of you, God, right? That's ultimately what we're, yes to more of your grace and more of your presence in my life. Can't that just unite us? Can't that, like, general disposition of God being present in these elements and in shaping our lives be what unites us about this rather than fighting, fighting about the details. But like, honestly, I look at it, I think, but I'm preaching to the choir because you, you, you did it. But we, so that, be obedient. <laughs> Keep doing that. It's special. It's rare, right? All right. So uh, the words will be on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read the liturgy. And honestly, if this has become something for you that... Um, has not inspired for a while, I, I pray that maybe you would let the words sink in. Like, try to put your thoughts on pause and like, just let the words wash over you one more time. Like, hear them with new ears because the liturgy is so beautiful. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you can get the top layer open. 
This is the body of Christ broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So if you will open the second, this is the blood of Christ poured out for you. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we now offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice for the world, right? To be broken, poured out, to love the world. In union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. That's a, that's a moral calling. We're saying yes to God. We want more of you, God. And then we have a call, an obligation now to go, right, to love and serve the world. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our closing song. God who lives in every day. How easy to lose sight that you reside in the mundane. How quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins. The kind of power that empties graves. And oh my soul, remember who you're talking to. The only one who that's the God who walks with you and oh my soul you know that if she did it then she could do it all again her power can still raise the dead don't tell me that she's finished yet Lest we not forget the voice that's holding back the waves Was one the voice that told the skies to pour them into place Let us join the endless song of everlasting praise The only God who empties graves And oh my soul, remember who you're talking to the only one who death bows to That's the God who walks with you
and all my soul you know that if she did it then she can do it all again her power can still raise the dead don't tell me that she's finished yet If you broke through the oceans, you can break through these chains. If your word made the mountains, it can move them all the same. If death fell before you and it's still on its face, then the power that raised you is about to move again. If you broke through the oceans, you can break through these chains. If your word made the mountains, it can move them all the same. If death fell before you and it's still on its face, then the power that raised you is about to move again. It's about to move again. And all my soul, remember who you're talking to. The only one who death bows to That's the God who walks with you And oh my soul You know that if she did it then She can do it all again Her power can still raise the dead don't tell me that she's finished yet. Emily was like, my goal is to make you cry every Sunday between now. That, that was no, that's that was good though. You know that's so good. I love it. Oh. God's not done working, right? right? The power to raise the dead, the power to bring 